Welcome to the Freedom from Empty podcast, building strong, effective, resilient leaders and humans. My name is Booth Andrews, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This episode is about play, and my first experience with play that I remember as an adult, maybe not my first experience, but how about a formative experience that I had as an adult with relationship to play actually happened in my therapist's office. She looked at me toward the end of a session one day and said, play, you need to play. And I looked at her quizzically and she looked back at me and said, Google it. I had been in therapy for a couple of years by then and the anxiety and depression that had held me in a vice grip for most of the preceding years had released enough to begin to explore new concepts. You know, when you first get into therapy, if you're really dealing with a crisis, you know, you there's a certain amount of time and energy that you spend just kind of wading through. And then you get to a place where you can consider perhaps new ideas or concepts or ways of being. There are times in the mental health journey or in just the healing journey when life starts to feel normal. And so then you engage with these new opportunities. So she told me to play and I really had no idea what she was talking about. It was really a foreign concept to me, not because I was living with mental illness, but because it was a concept that I had all but erased from my understanding. It wasn't that I'd made a conscious choice not to play. It was simply that I had allowed all of the other things in my life to use all my oxygen. And once I ran out of oxygen, then I lost my capacity to play. I knew how to work harder and longer than just about anyone. I knew how to keep the house running, pay the bills, feed the family. I knew how to push my body mentally and physically through fitness instructor classes and triathlons. But I couldn't sit down and play Legos with my son without the anxiety crashing in waves over me. I couldn't watch my daughter play volleyball well, I could, but only if I was on Twitter, email, and text at the same time. And I was actually too overwhelmed by the idea of sitting still long enough to watch a movie. So I knew how to persist. I knew how to endure. I knew how to pour myself into an idea, a company, a founder, a mission. But I didn't know how to play. And I didn't know how to rest. So why don't we play as adults? You know, when I looked at play in the dictionary, it actually specifically notes the spontaneous play often or especially of children. But why don't we play as adults? I think like many, like me, many of us use up all the oxygen in our lives doing the quote, more important things. And I think there's a stigma that play is childish, lazy, irresponsible, and unproductive. According to Brene Brown, the main barrier to play to adults in North America is that exhaustion has become a status symbol and productivity has become a symbol of self-worth. We all run around telling everyone how busy we are and how little we sleep. This belief actually leads us to even viewing sleep and play as a waste of time. And the problem with that is that it leaves us sleep-deprived and energy deprived, and prone to disease and depression. So what does it look like to play as an adult? 
when I ran an organization, we actually had contagious fun as one of our cultural values. And we learned a, a number of things through that experience. One is that everyone defines play differently. And so what I might think is fun, somebody else doesn't think is fun at all. And the other thing that we learned was that we can't force it. You can't force people to relax and have fun. But you can create the circumstances and the conditions that allow people to enter into a playful space or even just know that being playful is permitted or allowed or, or even um, valued in the culture of the organization. But play can be defined as engaging in an activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than for a serious or practical purpose. It's anything that you can lose yourself in, that you're truly enjoying that time. Dr. Stuart Brown, who is the founder of the National Institute of play, for Play, says that there are seven properties that describe play. It is apparently purposeless. It is voluntary. There's an inherent attraction to it. When you do it, there's a freedom from time. You're not as aware of yourself. It diminishes the consciousness of self. It has improvisational potential, meaning you can expand and contract and go new directions. It's open. It's not rigid. And it inherently has a continuation desire. It makes you want to continue to do more of it. The very act of in, of actually embarking on play, once you do it, I know for me personally, I still struggle with, with resistance. If my children say, Mom, will you play a game? There's part of me that's still like, ugh. I'm, 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 for some reason, I have a personal resistance to, to setting down and actually playing. But once I'm there, I'm like, oh, yeah, this was fun. I could do this again sometime. Play actually has not only a lot of benefits, it's actually inherent in our evolution and in our biology. And so was, as I was doing some research on this topic, I saw a quote that really stuck out to me. And it says, when we abandon play, we abandon ourselves. It is something that we are intrinsically wired to do. It also has a number of benefits. Play relieves stress. It releases endorphins. It allows you to be in the present moment. It often leads to laughter, which has been linked to decrease stress and inflammation and may improve vascular health. Your blood pressure goes down when you play and laugh. You release dopamine when you laugh. Play also helps improve brain function. So fun activities that challenge the brain actually help prevent memory problems. The social interaction of playing with family and friends can help ward off stress and depression as well. When we play, we engage in the same patterns of behavior that positively shape the brains of children and the same playful behaviors that predict emotional health in children can also lead to positive brain changes in adults. And play also speeds up the learning process. It stimulates the mind and boosts creativity. We learn new tasks better when it's fun and you're in a relaxed and playful mood as opposed to a tense, tight, constricted mood. It stimulates your imagination and it often involves changing conditions, which helps you learn to adapt and problem solve. 
And it's one of the critical places, again, where children learn to adapt and problem solve. But it has this, it continues to have the same benefits for adults. Play improves relationships and connection. Sharing laughter and fun can foster empathy, compassion, trust, intimacy. It can help heal resentments and disagreements and hurts. It is one of the most effective tools for keeping relationships fresh, and it improves social skills from verbal communication to body language, boundaries, cooperation, and teamwork. And play boosts your energy and your well-being. It improves your resistance to disease by giving your immune system a boost. It refreshes your mind and body and rejuvenates your spirit. I did an activity with a group actually just the other day where I had them do um, a check-in before we started. I just said, you know, write down one word. How are you feeling emotionally, mentally, and physically? And we then... We did a play activity. We actually played hot potato with some little stuffed animals. Um, And we only played, we only did it for a few minutes. And by the end, the group was reporting, you know, laughter and fun and less stress and more energy, um, more relaxed from just a few minutes of a fun, relaxed exercise. I think it's also part of our culture that play doesn't belong at work. And I'm actually here to make the argument that play is critically important to a successful work culture and the culture that breeds innovation and creativity. According to a March 2018 article posted on helpguide.org, more play at work results in more productivity, higher job satisfaction, greater workplace workplace morale, easy for me to say, and a decrease in employees actually skipping work and staff turnover. Quote, taking a pause for play does a lot more than take your mind off the problem. When you play, you engage the creative side of your brain and silence your inner editor, that psychological barrier that censors your thoughts and ideas. This can often help you see a problem in a new light and think up fresh creative solutions, end quote. Playing at work actually keeps you functional under stress, refreshes your mind and body, encourages teamwork, increases energy and prevents burnout, triggers creativity and innovation, and helps you see problems in new ways. So if you haven't played for a while, I actually kind of put together just a quick list of things that I could consider a playful activity. I don't know that I would actually enjoy all of these, but I was just trying to do a brainstorm for prompts for things that you could do to play. So some play ideas, play with Legos, play with Play-Doh, coloring, knitting, card games, board games, playing with your pet. Pets love to play. Well, at least some of them do. Maybe not all of them. Dance blow bubbles, have a water balloon fight, puzzles, read aloud to your partner, play with the little people in your life, collect something, play a sport, go hiking, go paddleboarding, swimming, reading, travel, frisbee or kites. Last year I decided I wanted to try paddleboarding for the first time. 
And not only did I try the paddle boarding, but I was on the moon for the next two days. I was so proud of myself for trying something new, putting myself out there, taking the risk. And I think we forget that that's how play can make us feel, when, particularly when we try something new. I had a friend go with me, so I'd feel completely supported in the adventure. And it completely changed my energy level and my excitement level um, and my belief in myself and my ability to take on something that I'd never done before. And all of that can proactively and positively you know, transfer into everything else that you're trying to do, everything else that you're trying to accomplish. There's not a, quote, right way to play. So think about the things that you maybe used to love doing as a child, or think about the things that you used to love doing as an adult, and somehow you've quit making space in your life for those things. Give yourself permission to play. So when we think about creating the right conditions, first you just have to give yourself permission. And if you can't do it, I give you permission to play. It is just as important as sleep and food to your well-being. Focus on the process, enjoying the process. One of the wonderful things about play is it doesn't have to have a predetermined outcome. But focus on the process, focus on being present. And the research does indicate that there are improved benefits from playing with others in addition to doing things that you enjoy doing alone. So Dr. Brown says, quote, play is a basic human need as essential to our well-being as sleep. So when we're low on play, our minds and bodies notice, end quote. Over time, play deprivation can reveal itself in certain patterns of behavior. We might get cranky, rigid, feel stuck in a rut, or feel victimized by life. To benefit most from the rejuvenating benefits of play, he says, we need to incorporate it into our everyday lives, not just wait for that vacation every year. How many of us actually say, oh, well, I'll play on vacation, which, number one, not everyone makes it to vacation. I think the American statistics on taking vacations are actually horrible, but even if we do, why save play for one time a year or one week a year? Write down activities that you know you love or things that you would like to try and actually schedule them on your calendar and protect them just as you would any other high priority commitment. So here I am giving you permission to play. And if you feel the resistance, I understand. But taking that time to play, whatever it is that you feel like is so pressing and so important and so overwhelming that you just can't stop, that you can't take a break, you can't take a break to feed yourself, you can't take a break to sleep, and you certainly couldn't take a break to play. Please know that when you step away and play, you're actually restoring your own ability your energetic and physical capacity to do the things that you want to do, to show up in the world and do the things that maybe perhaps you have to do, and even more so to show up as a more resilient, open, creative, innovative, and problem-solving leader and human being 
And I was also talking with this group on Monday about what we teach our children. Do we teach our children that it's okay to play? Do we teach our children that it's okay to take a breath and do something just for the fun of it, as opposed to always striving and achieving and pushing toward some standard that ultimately is not sustainable? So as you look around in your life, what are you teaching your children? What are you teaching your teammates at work? What are you teaching the employees that you lead? And what messages are you sending to yourself and telling yourself about reserving the time to actually step away and play? Because I promise you that if you give yourself the space and the time and invest in the play, that you will be a stronger, more effective, more resilient leader and human. For more information about the work I do with individuals, groups, and organizations, go to boothandrews.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Booth Andrews and on Instagram and Twitter at Knoxlight. That's K-N-O-X-L-I-G-H-T. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit subscribe and remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I look forward to being back with you next time. Stay humble.